in 86. Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. One, two, three <sighs> notes. Uh-oh. This week. Uh-oh. Okay, so you got three notes this week, and you know what Uncle Daddy did today? What? That's what I call myself. I know. <laughs> Is I didn't have time to read the book this morning. Okay, so you just didn't read it, huh? And I didn't have time to read the book at work because I'm a professional and I have a job, and I kind of understand now that uh, there's no such thing as 20% time right. at our company. Right. It's 100% time is the pol- the policy. It's 0% time. 100% or 0%. That's the policy yeah. at our company. Yeah. So I didn't read the book at work. So I had to come home and cram this entire book. Is that why we're starting at 9 p.m.? Right down my yum hole. Yuck. That, that went down my yuck hole. <laughs> Pretty rough. Well, this it kind of broke bad going down my yuck hole. <laughs> That's the only way it goes down the yuck hole. Yeah. Um, to coin a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll fire up the t-shirt press. <laughs> Please do. That was pretty dibbly. I didn't uh, think it was dibbly at all. I thought it was <laughs> stale. Stale. But look, this is this is by way of apology to you and apology to the baby nation. I read and my this wife book. who's going to have to come home in an hour to yeah. us still podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, and we're at my house, so if it seems echoey and you hear the fucking shuttle train go by once every 5 minutes, it's because well, it's cuz we just had to record at my house tonight. Yeah. Yeah, my that's wife's why. Out late I had to come home and take care of the dog, walk him, feed him. Yeah, baby nation, we have our own lives that we have to live. Yeah, we can't just do everything to accommodate right the babysitters club club. Oh, you know what's a good idea? Why don't I introduce the show? Fine. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club Club, club. a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, discuss the classic novels of Princeton Zone Princess Princess and Matthews Martin the Great, first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind, Stormborn. And sanctified. Right. Whew. Woo! We did the whole title today. I never know what's going to come out. Right now, Jack. Yeah. You and I are in... That's accurate. Well, ooh, don't triangulate. We're in a city mm-hmm. in a state. Mm-hmm. When this episode releases, right now for Baby Nation, as they're listening to this, you and I are in Tokyo, Japan. Konnichiwa. 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 Actually, Kanbanwa. Okay. It's 9 p.m. Kanbanwa. Okay. That means good evening. Good evening to you as well, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for our big trip to Japan? Uh, no, absolutely not. Great. They, are you ready for the 14-hour flight we have to take together? Absolutely, certainly not. Great. Uh, are you ready to pack our microphones and record not once but twice Oof. while we're in Japan, just out of our gourds with jet lag? <laughs> Weirdly, yes. You're ready for that one. That's the one aspect of our upcoming two-week trip to Japan. Yeah. As colleagues. As colleagues. Um, that I have prepared for. It's going to be pretty wild. Baby Nation, next week, live from Tokyo, Japan. Great. Thanks. I've been waiting to open my... Baby Nation, next week, live from Tokyo, Japan, Tanner and Jack, reading a book. 
and discussing yeah. it. I can tell you what that book is, but I feel like we'll wait till the end. We're in the midst of the intro to this book. Yeah, which was called Mallory and the Dream Horse. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Yeah, I thought that's funny. Wild horses. Yep. I guess is that a pun? Uh, it's not a pun. It sort of has a resonance with the title. Yeah. You know. Um. She describes her dream horse, and that's one of my notes. Oh, oh wow. Are you sure you want to kind of blow your wad on that this early? You've okay, only got Jesse announced three as notes. she stretched her legs out to the side, practically in a split. Double ow. There was a first ow, but... <laughs> Wait, that's your note? No. If you could pick your dream horse, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I sank back in an overstuffed chair by the television and thought for a second, you'd have to be an Arabian. Mm-hmm. They're the nicest. Pure white one with a long flowing mane and warm brown eyes. Hmm. I want to know what your dream horse is. You want to know what my dream horse is? Yeah, if you just had to describe a dream horse. It's got to be a kind of horse? Yeah, well, just like what your dream horse is. Okay, um, a gelding. Okay, does that mean their penis was cut off? I don't know, man. It's just the first horse type that came to mind. Okay. Gelding. Yeah, because if it's a if it's a kind that has their penis cut off, I want to change it. Castrated animal, especially okay. a male horse. All right, changing, changing yeah. it, changing it. Uh, a roan mare. Okay. Um, Do you make up roan, or is that the thing? I think it's a horse thing. Okay. R o a n. It's like a ro. It's a, like a the roharem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, shadow facts. Sure, shadow facts. Uh, actually, fuck. I used to be able to name more horses. <laughs> From Lord of the Rings. From Lord of the Rings. You've lost that knowledge. <laughs> it's gone. Baby Nation, that's the first thing to go after you uh, you stride past your mid-30s is the, the knowledge of vast Tolkien yeah. stores of knowledge. Your brain is like, we can do, we can keep some of the wizards, Yeah, but we can't do all the horses. Name all the wizards. There's only, what, six of them? I can literally only name three. You can name... Start of the first book, you can name at least four. Do you think? Yeah. Gandalf, the gray, yeah. Saruman, the white, yeah. Radagast, the brown, yeah. Now what's the fucking fourth? Don't Google it. And our Google's Lord of the Rings. Baby Nation. That's the second thing to go after you pass your mid thirties. Is wizards the name of? Wizards only mentioned in the Silmarillion. Saruman. Man, this episode got off to a real fucking nerdy start. And you know who I'm going to blame for that? Who? Princeton's own and Matthews Martin. This is what you get for writing a crazy book about a dream horse. Yeah. We're we're off on our own dream horse. We're right in now. a world of fantasy. There's only five. In the Third Age, there are five living wizards. Great, so it was like more than 50%. Saruman the White. Yeah, we already sent him. Later, Saruman of Many Colors. Yep. Gandalf the Gray. Later, later Gandalf, Gandalf the, the white. white. Radagast the Brown. Always Brown. Uh, Moranatar the Blue. <laughs> and Romastemo the Blue. Also blue? Blue. Two blues. Wow, Tolkien. Way, way to get creative with Hey, Tolkien, wizard. you know wizard there's other color. colors, right, bud? Yeah. <laughs> How about yellow? Uh, or red? That we're off topic, and I don't like that. You're going... You were asking me what my dream horse is. Oh, sorry. Is yeah. that right? Uh, go ahead. Is... You you were only about halfway done describing your Oh, thank dream you. Horse. Did you learn nothing from our You Directed Conversation episode? Mm. 
when you ask someone about their dream horse, don't immediately fucking start Googling shit from the Silmarillion and then start talking about your own dream horse. That's like chapter one. I'm sorry. It just seemed like you were bragging and I felt really left out. Okay. So my dream horse is a roan mare. Yeah. Named Sylvia. Okay. uh, Speckled gray. Yeah. uh, With flowing curly locks. Okay. Mane. 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 Curly mane. Okay. What's your dream horse? My dream horse would be a armor-plated... Oh, fuck, fuck. Can I, do, can I do mine again? Nope. Okay, hang on. No, you no, did no. yours. It's mine a, would be armor-plated. No, wait, no, 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 no I'm still not done with mine. Big mine is, ones no. with the, like, huge hooves. Oh, yeah, no, 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 I changed it. Mine is, it's like a, a armor-plated. No, that's mine. No, no, no. Mine's my, armor-plated. Okay, it but mine's armor-plated and as well. It has a 50 caliber gun on the back. And the 50 caliber gun shoots Jolly Ranchers. What? Why? Watermelon Jolly Ranchers. Why? Because I don't like violence. Fine. All right. Well, we'll we'll can we put a pen in this dream horse convo and come back to it? I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> it's the only thing that's been on my mind. What is my dream horse? <sighs> it but seems fine. fine. Let's put a pin in it. Yeah. And come yeah. back to it. We. I feel you've like... got something better you want to do. Probably recap the book for the fifty fourth time. Blech. It's not recapping this book for the fifty fourth time. It's recapping a book for the fifty fourth time. The Baby Fine. Nation relies upon us to describe these novels for them. I All think they, they know- rely upon us to describe our dream horses, too, though. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Yeah. All right, well, that's why I'm saying put a pin in it. We'll come back to it, but first we need to... Dis- like, we've left them fucking hanging here. They All they know is Mallory, like, gets in a fucking crazy fight with a crazy-ass dream horse. Mine would be named Tanner the Elder. Okay. He'd horse Tanner? Good. Horse Tanner is good, too. Horse Tanner is good. Yeah. Yeah. Man Tanner and Horse Tanner. <laughs> wow. Hope okay. y'all are ready for some Jolly Ranchers. Hey, look. Why don't I describe this book? Uh, okay. And then, uh, then I'm going to have you describe the book, so just be prepared for that. Okay. Okay. Here's my description of the book. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Good. We just got there. Mallory Pike's humdrum reality is a daily slog through household chores, babysitting, and homework. Stuck with the same old friends and the same old routine, she longs for a different life, full of excitement and adventure. And when she meets a mysterious dream horse named Pax, things begin to change. She makes new friends who are sophisticated, elegant, and refined. She learns new skills and takes up new hobbies. And she begins to pull away from her old friends and family and embrace a dream life filled with glitz and glamour. But despite the late-night parties and extravagant social gatherings, Mallory can't help but feel that something is wrong. And as she begins to question this sudden change in her life, she also starts to wonder who Pax is, where he came from, and whether she should ever have made a bargain with a dream horse in the first place. Mallory and the dream horse. Oof, what a ride. I can now reveal to you that... That was the least time I've ever had to put together a description of oh, one yeah. of these books. Is that why it was so bad? I think that's why it was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Pax. Pax. K-Pax. Kevin that's where Spacey. you went? I think so. That's the, where you went? I think so. With Pax, the Latin word for, for peace. peace. I know. K-Pax, though... Uh, the 2001 
film starring Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. I've seen it. We've all seen it. And Jeff Bridges. Everyone has seen that film. About a um, man who presents as psychotic, claiming to be an alien right. from the planet Capex. Yes. It turns out he is Jesus? No. Is that not the plot? It's unclear. Okay. He might be Jesus? Uh, definitely not. Okay. I think there are two... The, Baby Nation, possible spoilers for K-Pax yeah. upcoming. Yeah. I have seen the film. Um, Is it good? I think I remember liking it. Uh, I have a fourteen-hour flight. I just need to load up my iTunes. Yeah, I think K-Pax is your is definitely your first choice. Great. It, uh, he, he's one of two things. Neither of those things are Jesus. Okay. Either he is a alien being from the planet K-Pax, mm-hmm. or he's just a, a crazy person who okay. says that he's that. But he is some kind of uh, savior who's come to Earth to kind of cleanse well, us. If you if you read if you read it as the first. Of those two things. If okay. not, he's just claiming to be that. That's what the movie is about. I, I'm i hoping that you're going to bring this to bear upon the novel that we read. Well, I haven't seen K-Pax. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of knowledge in that arena. Okay. Do you want me to bring it to bear upon the book that we read? Yeah. Okay, great. So K-Pax is a movie about somebody who is presenting a vision of a happy future. Okay. That seems too good to be true. Oh, it sounds good. It sounds like a nice movie. And there is a question about whether that future, that utopian reality, yeah, that peace, yeah, Tanner, yeah. peace, Pax, that is looming in the future is a genuine dream that can be realized or a mirage that will dissipate and disappear when reality itself and the horrors of the world we live in come to bear upon the illusion that is being created by, in this case, K-Pax, and in the case of this novel, the dream horse, the dream that is shattered, the horse that never was. Okay. The horse riding lessons. I think I follow. Okay. Uh, K-Pax. So K-Pax may or may not have been an actual alien, (laughs) but he could be. And if he is, it kind of promises this vision where there's more out there than just us, Uh and the universe is bigger than we think, and we're just going to kind of have to question our place in the universe, and like, what does this mean for humanity? What does this mean for our hopes and dreams? Right. Uh, Or K-Pax is some kind of um, mentally disabled man Uh who lives in this life of fantasy. Right. I think and, I pretty much got what K-Pax is about, so thank you. Yeah, so I, as previous... Uh, Baby Nation... I guess we should talk about the book. Well, I just want to say to the now Baby Nation... really kind of blasted out what K-Pax's like, whole thing was. Oh, we've talked about K-Pax for way too long. Well... Way too long. But I do want to say rejected. to the Baby Nation who have been have had their fingers in their ears because of spoilers right. of K-Pax, that K-Pax spoilers are over now. Yeah, he does die at the end. <laughs> I think he does. Just well, like just like Pax the horse. Right. At the end of this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Tanner, why don't you fill in the details? I left out a few things. Okay. Uh, in my haste to put this description together and get over to your house in time, yeah. uh, I left out a few details. I'm going to have you fill in those details right now with a catch. Okay. You must do it within 60 seconds. I'm going to start that timer now. Uh, okay, so Jesse and Mallory, as we all know, love horses. Uh, Mallory receives a flyer in the mail for a 
uh, horse farm. I don't know what you call them. Stable? Stable. Horse stable on the outskirts of Stony Brook that's offering beginner's lessons for eight weeks. It's uh, affordable enough that she can uh, pay for half with her babysitter money and the parents pay for the other half. Uh, she goes, she meets this horse named Pax who she falls in love with uh, and loves very much. It's very gentle and he loves carrots and sugar cubes. Um, Jesse can't go and is jealous and they kind of get in a fight and they don't talk for eight weeks. Uh, Jesse, on the other, on the, on the meanwhile, is taking care of Nina Marshall who is attached to her blanket called Blanky. It's an oversized blanket. It's too big, but she brings it to school on her first day and is mocked. Um, eventually, Dawn washes the blanket, and it goes in the dryer, and it disintegrates. But Nina's okay with that because it means she can like carry little pieces of Blanky everywhere she goes with her. And uh, the Pikes have a, a circus. Oh, God. I think you actually did a really good job. Yeah, there was three plots. The, really. s- the circus was a weird one. There was a one. C plot. There was a C plot this week. Yeah, it was the circus, which didn't the need C-plot, to be there. The C plot didn't meet up with the other two plots. That's what, this is what happens when you get two two ghost writers along with you. Jana Beecham and Malcolm Hillgardner are both vying for Anne's attention, oh, and Anne's just like such a nurturing, yeah, and kind soul that like Jana submitted the B plot, which was Nina has a security blanket, yeah, and Malcolm. Submitted the C plot that was the Pikes have a talent show. Yeah, and Anne was just like, you know what? Let's just they're let's both get it good all in there. Let's just cram it all in there. We're just gonna put them both in. Yeah, and that's just I, and also like Anne was the one who came up with this insane idea of a literal dream horse, right? You know, the, like Anne is the one who does the heavy lifting, right? And then Jana comes in, and the blanket thing resonates with the A plot. They're both narrative arcs that are about giving up on your dreams and yeah. when your aspirations come face to face with the stark reality that you'll never amount to anything and that in order to get by from cradle to grave you need to put your head down and work and stop dreaming of success and happiness yeah um and then malcolm is like oh i've got a c-plot about a circus yeah and a talent show a talent show right and Anne and Jenna are just like, uh, Hi, Malcolm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It doesn't fit with anything. Malcolm just needed some work. Yeah. Well, we'll get to Malcolm, I guess, if you want to do C-plot stuff later. Can um, we talk about the fact that I, mm-hmm. Tanner Greenring, and I, Jack Shepard. Nope. That's going to be weird if you do that, because what I was about to finish that sentence with was, have been sleeping under the same blanket for probably 20 years. <laughs> uh, legit, so have I. Have you really? Yeah. I Different s- blankets. Di- uh, Baby Nation? Baby Nation? <laughs> Just to stress this, two different blankets. Yeah, different blankets. I still have, actually, 37 years. I yeah. still have my childhood, childhood duvet cover. And you sleep under it every night? Not every night, but often when I go sleep on the couch. That's what I that's what I take. Sad. Uh I have a blanket <laughs> that I procured in probably junior high. Mm-hmm. And it's a big green blanket. My mom gave it the nickname when I was going through puberty, she gave it the nickname Big and Stinky. Oh boy. Uh and I still sleep under it and I think my wife hates it. Yeah. But mm. Well, maybe that's a lesson for your wife, Jamie, if she's listening to this podcast, the one way, as we learned from this novel, to separate a man from his blankie 
she is cut it up into it. a bunch of tiny small pieces and then be like, oh, well, now you can more easily hide it. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I've I've fretted about the eventual demise of Big and Stinky. Yeah. And I thought when he finally becomes too threadbare to sleep under, mm-hmm. I would get him cut into like a handsome sports coat. Wow. <laughs> It's kind of like Hunter Green. Uh huh. Where when are you, where are you gonna get the handsome part of that from? I think just from my kind of general cut. <laughs> good. I think I bring the handsome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Big and stinky, in big and stinky. Yeah. Together at last. Good. You did it. I did it. I made it happen. So I kind of I kind of understand where Nita Marshall's coming from. Okay. Cool. Uh, do you want to talk about Dream Horses? Yeah. We already went over that. <laughs> Mine is named Horse Tanner. <laughs> he shoots Jolly Ranchers out of a fifty caliber gun. My one's named Sylvia. Yeah. I'm starting to regret that. Named now. after like Sylvia Plath, or I don't know where it came from, man. Yeah, it just seemed like a good name for a horse when I realized I thought that it was going to be a roan mare and not a stallion war horse, which seems cooler. Yeah, yours is still kind of a roan mare. Yeah, in canon. Yeah. Like, you're up there on the round mare's back being like, it's a war horse! Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. God, yeah. Ugh. Good, it's okay, it's Jack. Just, like, weighed down under all this armor. Yeah. <laughs> Barely move. So, the dream horse, this is the this is a book that is more obvious than other books in the babysitter's canon in its sort of allegorical nature. Yeah. That this dream horse represents something. This dream horse represents something that is maybe unachievable. Mallory's okay. dreams come crashing down. I don't think you got to that in your recap. Oh, yeah. She, she falls, um, off the horse. falls off a horse. She develops a fear of horses. Yeah. And then she gets sixth overall in the horse competition. Which at the is end bad of the book. out of 12. And then decides not to. Not yeah. To, she's not into horses anymore. She's not into horses that much. Right. She's only a little bit into horses. I found that to be fairly dark. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Have I ever dreamed? Dreamed. And then realized your dream only to have it blow up in your face? Nope. Really? Yeah, not this guy. I also used to ride horses and I was very good at it. Oh, were you? Yeah, when I was a young lad. Um, I was trying to tell you something. Okay, the dream horse. Okay, the dream horse. It's a Trojan horse. Great. It's not what it seems. Great. The Pax? Pax. Is not the piece that appears to be being promised to Mallory. Okay. It's it's not just an empty dream, but it is a dream in the pursuit of which she will lose everything that matters to her. She'll lose her friendship with Jesse. She'll lose her sense of identity. The message of this book is the darkest message that we have ever had in a Babysitter's Club book before. It is that if you pursue your dreams, yeah. not only will you fail, not only will you fall, but you will lose everything. Everything. Okay. So you think Anne's message to young girls of America in, in this 1991 book. was yep. do not follow your dreams. Do not. Following your dreams leads to It leads to disaster. disaster. Um That's uplifting. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. I'm feeling great now. Yeah. It's kind of the exact opposite message of Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the exact opposite message of Space Jam. Right? Like Mike and the Toon Squad need to go up against the Monstars. Right. Uh, Tanner, everyone knows the plot of Space Mike Jam. gives them Mike's secret stuff. They're doing so good up until the, la- like the end of the second quarter. Right. They really start flagging. 
Mike gets out there in the locker room. He says, guys, the secret stuff was inside you all along. They get out there. They whoop the Monstars' butts. <laughs> but not using their natural t- talents, right? Yeah, using their natural talents. It okay, was inside well, them all along. Well, this is, this is very specifically what doesn't happen. Exact opposite. Yeah. There's not, nothing in Mal. All there is in Mal is like resentment and embarrassment and anger. I'm not sure that Anne is trying to draw an explicit parallel to the film Space Jam. I think it was pretty obvious. I would say a better parallel is the horse Bucephalus, mm. Alexander the Great's horse. Is that the one that went over the Andes Mountains? I mean, probably Alexander the Great rode his horse a bunch of places. Definitely not the Andes Mountains. Okay. Um, that was elephants. Alexander the Great rode elephants over the Andes Mountains. Oh, God, that was Hannibal, and it was the um, Himalayas. Attack Chile. Ugh. It, let's just not. Okay. Let's, let's definitely not. Okay. Alexander the Great is famous, as you know, for having looked out after his final campaign and wept because he had no more worlds to conquer. I believe that Has is a quote. Chile? <laughs> I think at that at that point he didn't know about Chile. Okay. I believe that is a quote from the film Die Hard. Okay. It's not an actual I I've never been able to track it down beyond Do you want me to the film Die Hard? Okay. I, as far as I'm concerned Die Hard is Does Hans Gruber say it? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a badass Hans and Gruber wept line because there were no more worlds to conquer. I can't really okay. do Hans Gruber. No, that wasn't even close. It's German. kind of it's German but it's half like, British half it's like um, British educate Oxford educated German man. When Alexander saw the breadth of his domain he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. I can't do it. Okay. Sorry to pick Hang on. on. What is something that. Oh, now I have a machine gun. Ho. Ho. No. Ho. John McClane says that. And he no. doesn't say it. He writes it on a corpse. Yeah, jackass. And so fucking Hans Gruber reads it off of the fucking t shirt okay. that John McClane writes it on. So he also says it. John McClane actually never says it. He only it. writes it. He's reading it. Hans Gruber reads it aloud. Okay, fine. And Fine. I, like, I'm sorry if I need to. Congratulations! Read a you know more about D- Die Hard than I do, but I know way more about Space Jam than you do. So, okay, fine, but that's not what we're talking. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> I do, and if you let me get there, we can kind of both exist in that place together. This is the thing about a fucking approaching a dream horse, Tanner. I need a beer. You got to sidle up to it. Fine, get me a beer too. Oh man. Ugh. I'm di- I'm dying I'm dying to land this point while I still have it inside me. Do you want to hear a story about Milton? Milton, the poet. No, you've got a you've got a story about Milton the poet. Um, he was blind. Yeah. When he was writing Paradise Lost, he dictated it to his daughters. Yeah. So I have told you this story. No, I just know that. You just know that? Yeah. Okay. He dictated it to his daughters because he was blind and he couldn't write it, and he would stay up late at night thinking of the verses for Paradise Lost, they would just come to him. Mm-hmm. And then he would start getting really frustrated because his daughters weren't up and he couldn't get it out yeah. until they were up. Right. And finally, when they did wake up, they would go to his room and they would be like, Father, we are ready to take down your words. And he would just look at them and say, Milk me! <laughs> he would say that. Yeah. That's how I feel right now about wanting to land this fucking point. You want me to milk you. I want you 
metaphorically speaking, to, to just let me fucking get it out. Fine, man. Why do you even have a co-host then? <laughs> if you don't want anyone interrupting you. <laughs> Why don't you ask Milton to be on your show with you? Alexander the Great had everything, right? Yep. Except Chile. <laughs> Except the Andes. Yeah. If he had known... Land, milk you. Let me, allow me to milk you. Please. Alexander the Great had yeah. everything. Including a beautiful horse. Yeah, thank you. Named Called Bucephalus. Bucephalus. Yeah. Take it away, I thought- Milton. <laughs> but he wasn't happy. That's what the dream horse is in this book. What we look for, what we look forward to when we achieve it, the achievement of it is not what makes us happy. It's not what fulfills us. Okay. And what Anne is saying that is even more terrifying and dark is that it's not even the journey. The journey is bad for Mallory, too. Yeah. She gets knocked off her horse. She gets the wing kicked out of her. She's made fun of constantly because her family is too poor to afford riding habits. Yeah, riding habits. Yeah, so she just has to wear jeans like a scrub. Yeah, she looks and all terrible. Like the bougie horse people are like, oh, uh, do those jeans come in rich people size? I just can't land it, huh? Velvet? Do those jeans come in velvet? Good. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's a r- real question that we need to have answered here. Some of the friends are nice. Some of them are horrible, but in the end, they all just dissipate. There's this woman, I think her name is Amber. She's the only one who's like kind of nice to Mallory. She invites Mallory to her She invites party. her to a party. Everyone ignores Mallory at the party, and then Amber in the moment where Mallory is like, oh, hey, Amber, how's it going? And Amber's just like, oh, hey, Valerie. Yeah. And then Mallory just sits there, can't say anything. Right. Stands in the corner until her mom picks her up. Enjoy the party, Valerie, if you're interested in binging, the vomitorium is in the other room. <laughs> we'll all be just riding our dream horse. It's not a place you go to vomit, Baby Nation. You think that? Yeah. It's not. It's just an exit to a building like the Coliseum. It's where people vomit out of a building. Is that true? Yeah, that's what a vomitorium is. We're learning a lot yeah. about ancient Rome today. Yeah, and ancient South America. And ancient Greece. It's kind of the world tour. I've been Tanner Greenring. And I, listen, we've got a lot more to talk about, my friend. Okay. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hmm. What would I do with an extra hour in my day? Very interesting question, BetterHelp. Hello, everyone. This is Evil Tanner. I'm... Like regular Tanner, except evil, our sponsor, BetterHelp, has put a little prompt here in the copy for us. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? My own website, which only exists on the dark web, of course, uh, wetterhelp.com, could use a little help. So I would probably use that hour to do a whole bunch, like just flood Facebook with one like, one prayer. Please go donate to my GoFundMe. I need to bring my website, wetterhelp.com, back from the brink betterhelp.com they feel like there's a little bit of uh, infringement i said well you know we're on the dark web you guys are on the surface web our whole thing is like getting people wet who don't want to be wet so it's like stepping in a puddle or like sitting on a bench that's wet that's us like that's what we do share this with a friend one like one prayer i will follow through on the like prayer stuff too i will be praying all night 
I would use today's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Um, of course, I can't. I am evil Tanner. I can only use the deep web. We do have a deep web version of BetterHelp.com. Um, it's called WorseHelp.com. It's not good, but I think BetterHelp.com is great from everything I've heard. Convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time, no additional charge. Uh, go check it out. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bedfellows. See you there. Well, not me, but have fun. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I got. I have just a lot of notes about disappointment. Okay, which I'm recognizing is maybe not the most uplifting thing. No, you've already really put us off on a good start. Um, talking about how you should never follow your dreams. Yeah, and did. And put us on this. And did. Right, right, right. Yeah. You talked about how there are no more worlds left to conquer, but yeah, let's go into disappointment. Mallory finds this flyer that advertises the horse farm. Kendallwood Farm. As you call it. Where they grow horses. The mailbox was filled with the usual stuff. A few bills, a couple of catalogs, a yellow envelope from a sweepstakes place that read, you could be the winner, and a flyer for a sale at the local supermarket. And then the other thing in there is a flyer for horse riding lessons. In that context, a sweepstakes that says you could be the winner, even though you know that you can't. Right. Useless coupons for a supermarket. And is foreshadowing. Save a lot of money with coupons. Don't defend supermarket coupons right now while I'm trying to make a point. Is now the time? Do you want to? I think you're being, I think you're speaking with a lot of privilege. (laughs) Look at me. My name is Jack. I don't need coupons. <laughs> the vomitorium's in the other room. <laughs> okay, fine. Scratch the coupon stuff from the record. The point is that the dream horse is presented already in the context of a hopeless lottery for mm. the downtrodden, those who have dreams but believe they'll never fulfill them unless they get incredibly lucky. Right? Right. So that's how Mallory discovers the dream horse. Then she goes to the babysitter's club meeting, and they all have this weird ritual where they do a vote on whether or not Mallory should be allowed to pursue her dream. They vote unanimously yes. Right. And here is how that vote goes down. All in favor? Christy lifted her pencil like a gavel. Jesse and I smiled at each other and shouted, Aye. Aye. A-Y-E. Hmm. Opposed? 
Claudia looked under the bed as a joke and shook her head. What's under there? Exactly. Christy tapped her pencil on the desk. Then it's settled. You'll both take horseback riding lessons. Jesse and Mallory. Right. Is decreed. Claudia looks under the bed in this kind of jokey moment. Right. To see if there is another figure who might oppose this dream. Who would it be? I don't know. Certainly dolls are a big part of this book. They come up a lot. I believe that there is something lurking in the background that is saying, don't go after this. This is a mirage. Whether it's a benevolent figure or a malevolent figure, I don't know. Whether Pax the horse, who is kind of the unspoken other character in this book, is malevolent or benevolent, I don't know. If there is a benevolent force trying to prevent her from pain, trying to prevent her from heartache, trying to prevent her from realizing and learning to hate her own dreams, right? That, that force is preventing Mallory from living her life and experiencing her pains and growing and evolving as a human. Yeah. But Tanner, th- like <laughs> that is precisely what Anne is doing. She's, but she's letting Mallory experience pain. Pain is formative. So maybe this is, this is kind of what we've been leading up to over the last few episodes. Anne has realized that these girls need to suffer in order to grow. She is the silent figure under the bed. Oh, you think it's Anne? Claudia. I mean, I just, now I do. Yeah. Claudia looks under the bed and she says, Does anyone here say that Mallory should not pursue her dream horse? She the, looks under the bed and there's just two red piercing eyes. Yeah. And they just hold their gaze on Claudia. And they could say, as Anne could, as Anne could if she wanted to because she controls this universe, they could say, No. I don't want her to pursue the dream horse. I don't want her to have the misery of learning that sometimes the things that we reach for will always stay out of our reach, that sometimes the horses we ride will buck us and will fall Mm. and stays silent. She's the figure that sits there and stays silent, and then all the girls are like, huh, did you all feel that weird chill in the air? They didn't say that. (laughs) I'm. (laughs) You're putting words into their mouth. (laughs) They didn't literally say that, but you could feel it in the scene. They just shrug it off, and they all chuckle, and they're like, well, it looks like (laughs) we asked the Void whether the Void thinks we shouldn't do this, and the Void didn't answer back. (laughs) Uh, I guess everyone's unanimous in thinking that Mallory should pursue the dream horse. Maybe Claudia's tapping into some like primal kind of fear of the unknown. I can see that being the case. And like the the dream horse turns definitely into a nightmare at some point. Mallory has this literal nightmare. I barely slept. My dreams were full of strange people in riding boots eating mouthfuls of cake and big angry horses chasing me around swimming pools filled with punch. That sounds rad. I want to change my dream horse. Okay. He not only is like massive. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Huge dog. Uh, uh, and he's covered in plate armor. Okay. And he's got a fifty caliber gun on his back that shoots Jolly Ranchers. Okay. Also, spends most of his time around a pool filled with punch. Okay. And the punch has tequila in it. <laughs> it's kind of it sounds more like a party horse. In the yeah. Kind of oh, he's also a party horse. <laughs> My horse is a party horse too. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. They can party together. <laughs> 
Okay, so Sylvia and Horace Tanner yeah. are at a pool party. Well, they kind of like, they live on the pool party plane. Okay. It's like uh Oh, it's a plane Norse of existence. Mythology. Right. It's one of the... Ooh, ooh, ooh. What do you got there? What are you what are you gonna read from? It's Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, the nineteenth edition. Okay. And I brought it along with me uh because it's great. And hey, man, it just looks like a fucking blast. You mentioned North. I was mythology. excited. I was excited about two war horses shooting Jolly Ranchers, like galloping <laughs> around a pool of punch, spiked with tequila. Yeah. Nothing on this big book you got. <laughs> I'm open to a page that is famous horses of myth and history. The first one, Arvac. Arvac. In Norse mythology, the horse that draws the sun's chariot. Okay. Driven by the maiden's soul. Okay. That's, That's just hey man. This fuck this thing goes all the way to to Xanthos. Who's Xanthos? Uh Achilles's horse. Right. Um there's just tons of cool horses in here. That's all. You said North mythology. Go through, man. Let's okay. really explore. I think you and I still have really yet to solidify what our dream horse situation is. Yeah. You just kind of keep mimicking Every rad thing I say. So maybe just like perusing that, you can kind of find some original ideas for yourself. Well, not original because obviously you're stealing them from mythology, but do okay. any of them shoot Jolly Ranchers? I'm not seeing I'm not seeing any. Just go to the index and look up Watermelon Jolly Ranchers. I don't think that's going to be in here, man. Okay. Uh, When's the last time you ate a Jolly Rancher? Last time I ate a Jolly Rancher was when you and I tried to recreate make our own for loco for loco yeah. the adult malt beverage with taurine and caffeine in it that was after outlawed was in 2011 banned in new york in 2011 right. and we melted a bunch of jolly ranchers into malt liquor i haven't seen a jolly rancher since that day same but that feels weird is that, there like a deeper conspiracy going on where what happened to jolly, jolly ranchers, ranchers go where have all the Jolly Ranchers gone? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not finding any great horses in here. Hang on. This is good audio. You Fuck reading you. a book? Fuck you. Go and die. This is literally what it's like talking to you all the time. Good, good audio. Fine. Fine. All right, I'm going to engage with you. Isn't what do there you want a to Norse, to horse from Norse mythology that has like a million legs? Yeah. And maybe it's Odin's horse? Yeah. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Good. <laughs> all right, look, but <laughs> you, th- that's all. You brought that giant book over here just to thumb through some cool horse names, <laughs> and and that's it. All right, I'm gonna tell you over. some cool fucking. Let's horse talk about names. dolls now. Is there a segment on dolls in there in that book? There's a horse called Trebizond. Okay, how fucking cool is that? It's the gray horse of Guarinos, one of the French knights taken at Roncesval. Not interesting. Okay, there's a horse called Frenicos, which means intelligent. He's the horse of Hiero of Syracuse, and he won the prize for single horses in the seventy third Olympiad. Not interesting. <sighs> These are facts. boring horse. Yeah, Shadow Facts. Now you got me. Shadow Facts is horse of the the Roarim, who was. Gifted to Gandalf the White by what's the name? Grima Warringtongue? No, Theoden. By Theoden. Yeah. After he After, broke right. Wormtongue's spell. Yeah. 
and freed the king from his from his demented games. That was uh, sweet. Wormtongue was an uh, agent of Sauron, though. Uh, uh, Saruman, baby nation. So don't worry. He's been vanquished. Yeah. By the treants. <laughs> And the Riders of Rohan, obviously. I'm glad we got there. Yeah. Look what happened to Gandalf. He died, and then he died again. Anyway, so, uh, welcome back to Jack and Tanner talk about Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. for most of an episode. <laughs> uh, this week's topic is... The Riders of the Rohan. Yeah. <laughs> when last Who's we left... Who's your favorite Rider of Rohan? Uh, Aemer. Pretty good. Okay, He's who's the prince, right? Yeah, who's your favorite? A Red? win. Whew. Good answer, huh? Yeah, she's not really a rider of the Rohan, but she's a integral yeah. figure to that society. Yeah, well, she is no man. She's no man, and we mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, then she chops the witch king's head off. Yeah, Jesus, we're spo- like spo- we spoiled K Pax. You spoiled Space Jam. <laughs> And now you fucking spoiled Lord of the Rings. Two towers. Yeah, this is a nightmare for people. When we when last we left our heroines, the Riders of Rohan, the babysitters, oh, oh, oh. the seven, yeah, yeah, the seven babysitters, they were in the thrall of a sentient purple orb. Oh, right, the purple orb, and now they have turned to a mysterious dream horse. Mm-hmm. To rescue them from an all-powerful dark force underneath the bed. Right. Okay. I think that's where we're at. Okay. I was looking for orb stuff in this book. Anything? Because, boy, what a thing to throw into the last novel. Here's all I have. It's to do with the blanket. Okay. Blankie. The blankie. Here, Nina, Jesse said as she lowered Eleanor to the floor. It's the blanket. His name is... Blanky. It's not the blanky. The blanket. Colon. Blanky. So Blanky has this outsized power in this book. Right. Something we should look into. In this case, Blanky comes into play in the quote that I was reading to you that you interrupted me. Well, you got the name wrong. Okay. Here, Nina, Jesse said as she lowered Eleanor to the floor, why don't you open it up? Nina slid out of her chair... Talking about a kid kit. Nina slid out of her chair onto the rug, pulling her blanket into a huge ball on her lap. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's like an orb. It's like she pulled the blanket into a huge orb on her lap. It's just sitting there, and we're talking about it. I think there's probably a reading of this that like she's balling the blanket up onto right. her lap. But Anne's never that obvious. Anne is never that obvious in in a novel that is directly on the heels of a novel that introduced us to the, purple orb. the sentient purple orb. Right. The Blanky definitely has sentience. Oh, certainly. And definitely has a large degree of control over Nina Marshall. Yeah. So we do we do have another sentient orb. In this book, what I think Blanky is, is gray, but also may have started its life as purple. Is that the case? I th- much like wow, much like Gandalf the Gray facing off against the Balrog in the right. depths of Moria, Moria, mm-hmm. and plunging through fire and water 
and ascending the steps of Moria and being reborn as Gandalf the White. Uh, Blanky, the purple, Mm -hmm. uh, passes through any number of trials and tribulations in the hands of Nina Marshall. Including the dryer. Right. Washer dryer once a month. Right. And comes out as Blanky the Gray. And later, Blanky the Eviscerated. Right. I don't know if that's a class of wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something about this Blanky. I didn't see it as totally benevolent. There's a scene in this book where Nina Marshall is just rocking back and forth in a rocking chair. Right. Staring into the middle distance. Right. Clutching the blanket. Feels like it has this power over her. Much like Gribo Wormtongue. Oh, like, just it's this is just echoes of right Tolkien throughout this entire text. Well, and much like this, Dream Horse Pax has power over Mallory. Yeah, this novel works at both the metaphorical level. Like, if you let your dreams become too much of an obsession, you'll never be able to accept the reality. Yes, which is that you'll never achieve anything. That's too sad to think about. Let's but about also, the other interpretation. The other interpretation is like there's this crazy fucking horse, Pax, that's a dream horse that like is whispering to Mallory and changing her. She like she changes throughout the course of this book. She and Jesse stop being able to connect. They stop relating. She also like hates every other horse except Pax. So like maybe Pax is whispering in her ear and saying, like, you hate horses. Here's- Forsake all other horses. Much as this blankie is talking to Nina and saying, D- don't make friends. Right. This is the problem with Nina. She can't make friends because she's, like, too obsessed with her blankie. Right. Forsake all other friends. Forsake growing up. Forsake your friendships. Forsake your dreams. For me. Here is a reading of this novel that is less relentlessly negative. Okay, great. It's been about an hour and it's just been nothing but bummers so far. The horse so let's ride this chill wave all the way to Mount Childerest. Wow. <laughs> to to K two, and the K stands for Capex. Oh yeah, the K stands for Capex. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, K two, which is a mountain that's very difficult to climb, yeah. stands for Capex two, which is a movie that's very difficult to make. It's like um, humanity will never be able to achieve Capex two. Yeah, so we're just gonna go ahead and name a mountain. It. <laughs> yeah, here's a reading. The horse Pax is whispering to Mallory. Pax means peace. The horse is saying to Mallory, "Come to me. Come and have peace. You've." suffered enough you've had enough trials you've gone through enough yeah forsake your friends let them disappear say goodbye to jesse come to the gray havens where you will have peace i've perked up (laughs) and mallory ultimately realizes she has to reject that she doesn't want peace she needs the suffering she needs the struggle she needs to have the daily tribulations that she faces and she needs to face them with her friends and who is under the bed whispering that to her all along? And Matthews Martin. And Matthews Martin. Yeah. Princeton's own. Do it, Mallory. I give you permission to suffer. Yeah. I think, and it's been a while, yeah. I kind of think that's the message of K-Pax as well. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but yeah, that sounds like a good flick. <laughs> Flicka is another horse. You just you saw it when you were scanning? Famous racehorse. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. What? I only know this because I listened to another podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me. Okay. Jack Shepard, the 2013 Kentucky Derby winner was named Orp. What? Fuck you. Baby Nation Tanner is showing me his phone, and I can confirm there is there is a famous race horse named Orb. Orb. <laughs> wow. And Okay, so the We're or- sitting there we're sitting there looking for an orb. Where's the orb? Where's the orb? Where's this where's the orb in this? <laughs> I'm book, looking book for horses. I'm horses. going crazy. I'm driving myself insane looking oh. for horses. We were both looking in the wrong place because the horse and the orb are one and the same. Of course. Of course. We should have uh, known that from reading the title last week. We should have known that from knowing Anne. We sit and talk about a sending a purple orb for 45 minutes, and then we're like, next week it's called <laughs> Mallory and the Dream Horse. Yeah. Wonder who the horse is. Yeah. It's the fucking orb. Anne. Wow. Wow. Can we just live inside this moment what for a, a second? ride you've taken us on, Anne. Oh. So what does it mean? Mallory speaks to it. The, the horse... Promises peace for Mallory. The horse's orb. The orb promises peace for the girls. <sighs> Anne is fighting the orb, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, this, these are the two paths that Anne promises. She promises peace, which is Stony Brook, living your life year after year. And then there's something else. She promises suffering as well, which is experience. I mean, that's literally what suffering means in Greek. Pathos means experience, having your life. I don't know whose side to come down on anymore, man. Ugh. Am I pro-orb? Am I pro-an? I don't know. Fucking hell. I feel like I've got another hundred or so books to figure it out, but I'm not sure I'm going to have any more answers at the end. I think I'll just have more questions. Yeah. Well, let's hope that Anne can pull it all together. <sighs> Good luck, Anne. I believe she can. This is a thing, Tanner. She never lets us down. She's never once She let never us lets down. us down. She lets us struggle. Yeah. You know, she lets us suffer. Yeah. We, this was a tough one. We we read this book. We had a lot of questions. Yeah. And we found an answer that in and of itself is more questions than we ever could have imagined. <sighs> Typical Anne. And that's what happens when you ride your dream horse, babies and gentlemen. And, and. of course, they shoot Jelly Ranchers. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hope so. Out of the 50 caliber gun. Of course, they're armored. Yeah. We have to protect it from other horses shooting Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, no, totally. Those Jolly Ranchers come out of there fast. What happens if you jump in? bruise. Man, your dream horse is so much cooler than I know, mine. You're sucked. Speaking of you sucking, mm-hmm. did you this week have a. <gasps> Bird of the week! No. No? You really didn't have one? No, man. Jack Shepard. Yeah, I know. I feel like I've let everybody down. Jack Alexander Shepard. Jazz. Yeah. It's been 54 episodes. Yeah. And you have had a burn of the week. Every fucking time. You were batting a thousand. Yeah. Now you're batting. Oh, no. Now you're making me feel bad about it. Now you're batting what? I have a good fucking dream horse this week. Now I feel fucking bad. You're batting what? 990? Ugh. Bad. Well, and the thing about that is it'll never get to a thousand again. Nope. Sorry, bud. Do you want me to read my burn of the week? Because I have one. Kind of not. Can, can we try? What about this? Can we try to together construct a good dream horse for me? What if, like... It's the end of the day. They've all realized fine, that... Fine, we'll just read your burn of the week, man. Chasing Let's, their dream. Oh, wait, no. My burn of the week is your burn of the week. It's this. That's this one. 
Okay. The, the girls, it's the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still at batting a thousand. Oh, you read it then. No, I want you to read it. Yeah. No, go ahead no, and read no, it. No, it's more yours and mine. It wasn't. If that it's both it. of ours and you have it captured, go ahead and read it. I'm not gonna. I didn't. I didn't cap. I capture the memory of it. I didn't capture the quote. So you read the quote, and I'll okay. kind of. So it's go my burn. It's my burn of the week. Yeah, but it's the same one that I had. Right. The girls at the end of the day. At the end of the day, are all talking about how they're failures. Like they're just kind of chit chat and shooting the shit about their like the failures that they are together. Uh, we'll both do it. And. They're all talking about how they're worthless failures. Never yeah. chase your dreams. You'll only fail. Don's like, I'm a worthless failure. And then like, Christy's like, oh, I'm a worthless failure. They kind of go all into it. But then yeah. Christy says, no, we're not all worthless failures. Marianne cocked her head. You know, Christy's right. Don solved the Nina and Blanky problem. And remember when Mallory figured out what was bothering the Arnold twins? I smiled, remembering how I discovered that the twins hated being treated like identical little dolls. Once I found that out, they were easy to deal with. I turned to Jesse and said, what about when Jesse learned sign language so she could talk to Matt Braddock? And then all the kids in the neighborhood wanted to know Matt's secret language. Jesse answered by signing, thanks for remembering that. Hey, Claude dipped her hands into the potato chips again. Let me know when you're finished congratulating yourself so Marianne <laughs> can assign this job. What the fuck? I've, like, I read this book so fast I missed that. That is so fucking it's like passive aggressive. You were not client. wrong. This book is a bummer, and like everyone fails, and everyone is like bummed out by their failures. Like Jesse and Mal fight. Jesse can't even get into writing lessons because like her family can't afford it. Yeah, and it creates this huge rift. And Mal, who does get into writing lesson, hates it. And everyone else is also bummed out. No one can figure out how to deal with Nina. And they finally like like there's an eye in the hurricane, and they're all just like. You know what? It's okay because we're babysitters and we're all in this together. And for as much as we fail, we've got a million little victories. And overall, we're like still winning this war against the babies. And then Claudia is just like, hey, f- hey, hey, fuck your moment. Hey, guys. Yeah. I'm, I love that you learned sign language, but we're in a fucking meeting right now. Well, we've done. Uh, what was your burn of the week? No, we've Did done. Did you a- have one? That was mine. I had that one. Oh, but what was like, do you, you what was your other one? That was just the- in case we want to have good coverage. Oh, you didn't have one because you didn't do your fucking homework, <laughs> huh? I I crammed this book all the way down my yum hole. It's still just not working for me. <laughs> I don't love it. I don't love it. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, did you didn't have a burn of the week? Yeah. That's not the only regular recurring segment we have, okay. though. Jack. Did you have a... Kind of. Kind of. Come on, Jack. Well, now I'm afraid to fucking tell you my truth. Like, Give me something to fucking work with here, man. Here's what I got. You're just really dropping the ball left and right tonight, huh? I keep I keep passing it to you. You just keep keep hurling that orb Crisp, at me. Solid passes, and yeah. they hit your your open palms and just fall flat to the ground. This is what it's like when you fucking think that you're gonna ride a dream horse, and it ends up being a nightmare. You were so fucking jazzed on this book last week. You're like, ah, this is, I'm gonna have everything, and then you just didn't give it the time, huh? You're just like Mal. That's all right, Mal. Jesse said softly. 
A lot of people are afraid of horses. But not me. I bit my lip to stop crying. I couldn't be. I love them. I mean, it's always been my dream to be a rider and live on a ranch with horses. That is a literal quote from this book, and it's the literal moment where Mallory Pike realizes that her dreams will never come true. That's a pretty good, cheerful moment. And it made me fucking cry, and it's making me cry now to think about it. That's a pretty good, cheerful moment, and it's a pretty good moment with that horse. But I've got her redemption. Okay. And an even better moment with that horse. Fine, bring it. Before I left the farm that afternoon, I asked Jesse to come say goodbye to K-Pax with me. He was in his stall, happily munching on a bucket of oats. I slipped in beside him, and he pressed his muzzle against me. I tried to say goodbye, but I just couldn't make my mouth form the words. Finally, I buried my head in his neck and hugged him for a long time. When I looked up, Jesse was wiping her eyes. He really is the most beautiful horse in the world, she said in a soft voice. You're so lucky to have him, even if it was just for a short time. I know, I said. I know. She was so lucky to dream of Jack. She had to say goodbye to her dreams. Even if it was just for a short time. And that's weirdly also how K-Pax ends. (laughs) (laughs) I also just realized I accidentally called the horse (laughs) (laughs) K-Pax. I thought that was delivered. No. I'm sorry for your ter- terrible cough. I'm sorry that you accidentally called the horse K Pax. No, the horse's realize. name is Pax. Sorry. Woof. <laughs> but yeah. What a ride, huh? Ugh. We've done it. We covered it all tonight, Baby Nation. The Oof. hit 1998 film Space Jam, the hit 2001 film uh, K Pax. The um, classic fantasy saga by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings. And we even threw in, just for the fans, a very, very little bit of a Babysitter's Club book, Mallory and the Dream Horse. Yeah. Just if you're into that. Just, just a taste. Yeah. Let's get the fuck out of here. I would love that. I would love nothing more than that in the world. It's okay, good. 10.30 at night. Yeah, and you and I have to f- literally fly to Tokyo in Three, Three days. days. <laughs> I wonder if we'll recover in time. <laughs> Baby Nation and Tanner. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week. Thank you for joining us this week. Thank you mm-hmm. for your ratings, your, your reviews, yep, and your subscriptions. Keep them yeah. fucking coming. Yeah, we're getting a lot of nice reviews that begin after... Hours of endless badgering by Jack and Tanner. I have finally reluctantly given in. Well, guess what? System works, and now we're just going to do it more. <laughs> and what's sad for so those people is that they're still going to get the badgering. Yeah. Please do rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Oh, and here's the worst part for you who just oh. rated and reviewed and subscribed. Yeah. We've got a new thing to badger you in about, and oh. it's share our podcast with someone you think will like it. Yeah. Please do. I think word of mouth is kind of the main vehicle mm-hmm. for podcasts being spread around. The more people, the more new people we have coming and listening, the higher we go in the charts and the more um, no money we make yep. to support our dark needs. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you've got a friend out there who looks like they're floundering and uh, seeking fruitlessly for their dream horse, right. suggest to them that that dream horse for them Is might be Tanner, Horse Tanner. Horse Tanner. The radical war horse who shoots Jolly Ranchers out of a 50 caliber gun. And Sylvia, the roan mare. Who they can only hear about on our show. <laughs> the Babysitter's Club Club. Well, this week, I've been Jack Shepard. I have been Tanner Greenring. This week, we read a book called Mallory and the Dream Horse. Next week, we're reading a book called Jesse's Gold Medal. It looks like Jesse learned no lessons from this book and is out there pursuing her dreams. Good luck, Jesse. Claudia's wearing a bra now. Way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. Say hi to the baby nation. No, don't mock. Do it. We're going to put it in the outro. We're going to put it in the outtakes. I'm going to put it right up front while you're editing this. I'm going to put it in the outtakes. What am I supposed to say? Say, hi, Baby Nation. It's me, Jamie Greenring. I'm an actual woman. Tanner is actually married to a human woman. Say it. Say it. Uh, Confirm or deny that you are an orb. (laughs) Tanner's married to a sentient orb. Right now, that's what they think. That's literally what they think. And the longer you stay silent, Jamie, the longer they're going to think that you are an orb, because that's literally what an orb would do. Pay, get your sushi and get out of here. (laughs) You found the one way to psych me into not wanting to say hi to (laughs) me.